Hi, I'm Dr. Tanya Bailey, and welcome to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast where you can find more content on demand at lccconnect.com. Do that today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity, equity, and inclusion through arts and activism. Uh, We are also highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our amazing community that's making a difference. Activist Rosa Parks once said, I had no idea that history was being made. I just was tired of giving up. In 1948, Mahatma Gandhi began his final fast. Like many other advocates for human rights, both Parks and Gandhi used their culture, their skills, and knowledge to lift others, often the voiceless, and they used their activism. Well, today on Arts, Artists, and Advocates, we are proud to feature Ozzy Rivera as our special guest, who embodies the spirit of legends like Rosa Parks and Gandhi, and and many, many others who often influence communities through their advocacy and activism. Activist Walt Whitman once said, this is what you shall do, love the earth and sun and the animals, despite riches, give aims to everyone that asks, Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God or have practices and indulgence toward the people. Take off your hat to nothing known or unknown or to any man or number of men. Go freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and with mothers of families. Read these leaves in the open air every season of every year of your life. Re-examine all that you've been told at your school, your church, or in a book. But dismiss whatever insults your own soul and your own very flesh has been given through a poem and through the richest fluencies, not only in its words, but in the silent lines of the lips and faces between the lashes of your eyes and every motion and joint of your body. In essence, Walt was saying, give it your all. And that is the importance of advocacy. It's our feature on today's show and our topic. And who else to help talk about this than none other than Ozzy Rivera. Please help me welcome Ozzy to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Listen, I want our listeners to know who you are, where you're from, and how does your background affect the work that you do? Tell us about you, Ozzy. Uh, Well, my name is... uh, Osvaldo Ozzy Rivera. Uh, my legal name is Osvaldo Rivera, but uh, mm-hmm. most folks don't know me as uh, Osvaldo, just know me as Ozzy. <laughs> I'm a retired, um, I currently still teach, but I'm a retired educator and community uh, organization head. I've run a number of organizations over my career, yes. uh, human service and cultural arts organization, but currently teaching uh, a class. Uh, as a lecturer at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. And I've been teaching at Wayne State University for both African American Studies and the Center for Latino Studies, of course, on the history and culture of Afro-Latinos in the United States. Um, And so I grew up, um, 
I was born in Puerto Rico, but grew up in Southwest Detroit and considered that my home, basically. Yeah. Lifelong Detroiter. <laughs> We've got some Detroit listeners out there as well. Uh, so shout out to Detroit. And shout out to you and all of our educators, teachers, faculty members, those that have been um, educating in the classroom and in the community. I want to give thank a big you. shout out to you and thank you for all the minds that you have changed and influenced for the greater. Thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your background. I know um, that you have some favorite heroes and sheroes. Uh, and so I want to read a quote uh, from yeah. one of uh, the individuals that's a, an educator, feminist, civil rights leader, uh, and even a, a former a, uh, SPIRA, which is the Puerto Rican Forum. Um, I, I want to read a quote and get your reaction, okay? Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, it says yeah. this, Somehow I learned that I belonged with my people, and that I had a responsibility to contribute to them. I would participate in changing the situations of injustice and inequality that I encounter because they deny people their rights and destroy their potential. Now, who said that? That was Dr. Antonia Pantoja, Yay. Um, educator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and tell me about what this quote, yeah, hear, hear the applause from the audience. Um, tell us what, about this quote. What does it say to you and what does it say about activism? Well, um, I mean, a little bit about Antonia Pantoja. She lived her life according to this uh, Puerto Rican woman that migrated to the uh, the New York uh, right around the mid '40s, and who really was a lifetime organizer. Often played behind the scenes mm. in developing leadership first youth, and then later on. Uh, politics. She was a social work educator. Uh, she founded a number of organizations. So when I hear that quote, I'm really mm -hmm. well aware of her history and the fact that she was persistent. She was long-term. She had a long-term vision. And the most important thing a lot of people don't know about her and something that I think is very important is that she literally trained hundreds, if not thousands, of activists. Some wow. who've gone on who become politicians, hmm. uh, who become uh, actors in film, like Jimmy Smith. Some of us who are of that age remember Jimmy Smith, yes. the current head of the American Civil Liberties uh, Union. Uh, Antonio Romero is one of the young people she trained back in the 60s and 70s through her organization. So she left this hmm. legacy within not only the Puerto Rican community, but through many other communities, African-American and yes. Latino, um, through that persistent, long-range uh, viewed and, and background work. And so to me, that's important because sometimes you're, you have to be about institution building, hmm. not just the first person in front. I love that. You have to be about institution building, not just being the leader out in front. Clearly, she was one of your biggest uh, influencers. Uh, but talk about uh, some of your other biggest influencers and, and why they're important to you and the work that you do. Well, I kind of growing up, I, I really, um, I was a child of the 60s towards the tail end. So I, I, I saw people that I knew in my community and even just on TV who were really active. So I was an avid reader mm. and I grew up reading a lot about Malcolm X, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, got to read about the Young Lords and actually uh, later on became involved with the Young Lords. And they were a kind of militant group out of New York uh, 
primarily Puerto Ricans, but not exclusively. And some of them ended up becoming, uh, they were young people themselves, and they became professors and uh, newspaper columnists wow. and media personalities and elected officials. So, um, kind and some of them were actually trained by Antonia Pantoa in her <laughs> youth group. So there's a continuity there. Yes. And so I didn't know it, you know, as I as I got older and knew, got to study a little bit more about our history. Uh, I realized that, and so uh, it was very grounded in terms of community work. And then Malcolm X, I mean. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he just had an impact on a, a lot of people. When I remember I was like about 16 years old reading the autobiography. Yeah, and I remember, one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex Haley. I remember Malcolm X who had gone through these transitions and went to Alex Haley, who was the one that helped him put that book together, and said, can I rewrite the book? And no, he said, no. I mean, we want people to see how you transform yourself. And that was the power of the book. Alex Haley was correct. I think the power of transformation hmm. that Malcolm X showed early on um, really uh, helped me to kind of develop a perspective of my own life. I love that. The power of uh, transformation and, and all of that came through these amazing influencers. You're calling out some big names, not only Malcolm X, but Alex Haley. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we just have to look in our own backyards and sometimes yeah. it, uh, look right in a book uh, and look at yeah. authors, um, known and unknown, to find that yeah. inspiration. And I think that's so important when it comes to talking about advocacy and activists. And I'm appreciating all the information you're sharing. I'm loving this conversation. Uh, I have a I have a, some, something I do with all of my guests, and I'm hoping that you will join in on it. I call it a game. Okay. <laughs> Brace yeah. yourself. It's called a game. You can hear the game music coming on now. Um, and it's called If. So I'm going to okay. throw out uh, a phrase or part of a question, and I want you uh, to respond to it. But I'll always start off with the word if. Are you ready? Yes. Let's play the game if. Okay. If diversity was a food or a cereal, what would it be for you? I would have to say sancocho, which is a Caribbean stew mm. that blends different elements together, um, and it, it's, um, <laughs> it's uh, and, and it uses a lot of vegetables, the rooted uh, tubers that you find in Latin America and the Caribbean. But you add chicken to it, you can add seafood to it. So in some ways, it's variation of Louisiana gumbo. Ooh, uh, I was going to ask, stew. is it like gumbo? Yeah, it, 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 in the uh, there's slight exception. It's heavy on the root vegetables, so platanos, jautia, juca. So, but it's based it, aside from those ingredients. It's some of the same elements. When I was growing up, my mother would put pigs' feet. Or ham, uh, you now you're talking my mother's or, language right now. <laughs> yeah, and so and that is. I mean, I grew up eating that and uh, you threw everything together and developed this rich stew sometimes it's chicken sometimes it's seafood um and so it's that blend of different elements to create something unique and that is diversity uh, it is totally a, a variety of different uh elements and, and different flavors and that's what we as people bring right to the table every yeah. t every place we go we bring that variety great job on that okay yeah. here's another one <laughs> if equity was an animal what would it be <laughs> well for me personally uh the turtle mm, the turtle <laughs> Tell us and why. You know why? Um, 
I always think of the Aesop's fable, the turtle and the hare, mm-hmm. and how the turtle had all the speed, mm-hmm. all the glamour, but, I mean, the uh, rabbit did, Yeah, right? Yeah, the hare, uh-huh. Yeah, the, the, the hare did. Uh, but at the end, the turtle, through his persistence, or mm-hmm. her persistence, still won out. And it's that long-term view of, of just changing things that you just got to be persistent. It mm. doesn't have to be glamorous, but you got to keep steady and, and not take the naps that the hair did. I love that. Great answer. You hear the pause. We're all shouting over here <laughs> because a lot of times okay. people get, get equity uh, confused with equality of being the same, yeah. but, but it is, yeah. it is uh, not a fast pace. It is a journey. Great answer. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got uh, two more for you. If inclusion yeah was a song, and I know you're an artist, if inclusion was a song, what would it sound like or what would the lyrics be? Well, I have two answers for that. Okay. And I'm a band leader, and actually we play both of these songs purposely. Hmm. Uh, and, and so they're both Latin Caribbean, Puerto Rican, um, out of the salsa movement, but very important. Agua Nile was the song that was done by Willie Colon, Hector Laveau back in the late 60s, part of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, Aguanela is an Afro-Cuban chant that was updated with the big brass sound, the big band sound of salsa. And it's really, uh, it speaks to the Afro-Cuban uh, Santeria traditions and, and it mm-hmm. demystifies it. And it became a commercial hit. It was redone wow. by none other than Mark Anthony for a movie about 10 years ago. I love Mark Anthony. (laughs) Yeah. And so it, it it starts off with drumming. It, it talks about uh, its influence on, on us as Puerto Rican and and Cuban peoples. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, uh, my, I usually start off my band set uh, when do concerts with, it's called indestructible, spelled Mm -hmm. indestructible. But it was written by uh, Ray Barreto, great, great uh, percussionist. And it was about being indestructible. If you listen to the lyrics, and both of these tunes are really great dancing tunes. And it talks about building yourself, rebuilding yourself spiritually, culturally, and physically. I love it. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Audience is going wild. (laughs) Okay, here's the final one in our game called If. If you could change anything in the world, anything in the world at all, using diversity, equity, inclusion as your tool, what would it be? Uh, it's really, our current politics are frightening. Mm-hmm. I think there's a growth towards fascism and people don't use that term, but really, I think if you look at some of the indicators, so in some ways we have to sharpen our tools and build more coalitions because it, we would have to unite with folks who may not understand the full uh, realm of diversity, equity uh, discussions. In mm-hmm. fact, there's an open attack on race. That is correct. Know, that or, is correct. Yeah, in theory. And but but basically, it's to undermine our true understanding of our history. And in in some ways, we can't do DEI work if we don't tackle really in a frontal manner this growth towards fascism. It has the potential to undermine everything we're doing. 
Well said. Applause, applause, applause. Thank you for playing the game If right here on Arts, Artists, and Advocates. So in this time that we have remaining, I want for you to define for our audience what activism means to you. That's a hard one. Uh, Yeah, because my definition has changed over the years. But as I get older, and and I think I've appreciated through the mentorship of uh, some of the elders, is it can mean different things to different people. And basically in the sense that what are the strengths and the gifts that each of us have mm. that we can bring to the table for justice? That's good. And so in, in some, uh, and, and equity and to fight against oppressive conditions. So for some people, it may be if you're a minister or a church-going person, using that as a way to to tackle the ills of society. If you're a musician, like I am, I use culture quite a bit mm. uh, in, in telling the story. I'm also a professor, so I tell stories uh, in order to uh, bring alive uh, the lessons or the needs to move forward. You know, as I mentioned, I teach two classes and I tell stories, uh, all with an eye towards social justice. Uh, there are some young people who are great organizers yes. or uh, mobilizers. I mean, in my youth, I mobilized and I organized and started up a, uh, a number of organizations that uh, lasted for decades in, in the question of institution building. At this stage in my life, I'm retired. I don't have the kind of stamina to do that. So I've been asking myself literally, so what can I contribute? And as an elder, <laughs> uh, a lot of what I'm doing, uh, contributing is is by telling these stories and uh, hopefully contributing to the training of the next generation. So each one of us has a skill. And if we have a view towards making things right, how can we do that in our own life? That could be as simple as organizing family members. Mm. I had the benefit when I was younger of having a bunch of cousins who were within a relatively close age bracket Mm -hmm. uh, who were active and we supported each other, but we did it in terms of our activism uh, by, uh, but through the family mechanism, Hmm. Uh, we were in that position. Other people may not. So, you know, we shouldn't have, uh, I don't believe we should have a set definition of what activism is because we need all hands on board and we need multiple approaches. Listening audience, did you hear that? We need you. We need everybody to be involved. And using the skill sets that you bring uh, with you every day, it does matter. I appreciate what a rich definition of activism. Activism. Uh, I appreciate that so much. I want to ask you uh, to tell our audience about current projects that you're working on right now and how can listeners get involved? Well, as I kind of alluded to in my earlier response, uh, as a retired individual, and, I, and for about 10 years I had some health challenges, but not so much right now, I've kind of scaled back in my really upfront mm-hmm. kind of organizing approach. I don't have an online or social media presence that much, so it's it's really been through my cultural work, mm-hmm. and then COVID hit us, you oh, know, my, so I have yeah. to, yeah. So my band uh, and my folk, I have a Puerto Rican drum and dance troupe nice. uh, ensemble. Uh, that was one of the main ways that I would do activism. So when COVID really started hitting, I had to cancel about 15, 16 oh uh, performances within a four, four to five month period. So it's kind of 
clip my wings a little bit. So what I'm doing right now is teaching, and I write a, a regular column for a community newspaper called El Central in, in Southwest Detroit, which really doesn't have an online presence. But it's about the oral hit, uh, the historic, the history of the Southwest Detroit Latino community. So I've written maybe thirty some columns, and kind of slowly but surely, kind of pulling uh, an oral history, your written history of the activism of Southwest Detroit. That is incredible. You said that you've retired, but I think all of my listeners will agree there's nothing retired about you. <laughs> and and to do that work in the classroom, I believe that change begins in the classroom. And so you're doing yeah. it. And I, I want our listeners to go and search you on YouTube and find uh, find some of your music and where your performances have just impacted audiences. It is amazing. I'm just going to tease that out there uh, and let others uh, go do the search and find. I, I want before, you, before we uh, end today, uh, we always talk about um, a segment that I call Getting Comfortable with uncomfortable topics. Uh, and so yeah. for this, I want to talk about uh, race with you. And maybe you can yeah. share um, how you identify yourself or your racial identity. Um, and what's your earliest recollection of your identity? Well, I, you know, I, first of all, ethnically or nationality wise, I'm Puerto Rican. I was born on the island of Puerto Rico, but raised in Southwest Detroit. Very early on in my grade school level, I, I knew Though I'm very light-skinned and often uh, <laughs> could pass uh, for white, I uh, consider myself a multiracial Afro-Latino. That's the culture I was brought in mm-hmm. on both sides of my family. The, uh, I usually, me and my siblings were usually the lightest ones in the whole, whenever we got to mingle with other families, particularly when we would go to Puerto Rico, and that was noticeable. So uh, and so when you're surrounded by, by your father and your uncles mm. and your aunts who and cousins who are much darker than you, you, you become aware of that. And, you know, um, sad to say, uh, the, the process of a lot of times before the Black Power Movement, the Latino Awareness mm-hmm. Movement, uh, you know, a lot of times people would prefer to the lighter skin folks, right? Yes. In, in their family. Yes. I mean, we find that right now, both in the Latino community, and I know that uh, talking to my African American friends in the African American I can attest to it. I can leg- attest. <laughs> and it's that legacy of colorism. So being the lightest one, uh, I, it was often brought up to my attention. Oh, you got, look at your skin. You're fair. You got green eyes. Mm-hmm. And, be, and this being said, in front of my cousins who weren't, you know, yeah. and, and I always felt awkward with that because, uh, you know, g- sat, glad to say my father and my mother were very proud hmm. and, and my uncles of their heritage. But when I would encounter other family members that would bring that to my attention, ouch. and yes. then I also saw how um, cousins and uncles and even my own father would get treated differently than me. Hmm. just because of their skin color. So I uh, race and that issue uh, was very prominent in my youth. I grew up in a multi-ethnic community, primarily uh, Mexican, and, and then in my high school years, almost evenly Mexican, African-American, and interesting enough, Africa, Native American. So uh, it was really a multi-racial, multi-ethnic community mm-hmm. and folks celebrated and 
both with the Mexican-American community and the Native American community, I saw the celebrations of the indigenous peace mm. and the culture. And, yes. uh, and so I was surrounded by that. And so earlier on, you know, I was I was aware of it. And I was a child of the 60s when you had <laughs> uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm yes. X, and stuff like that. So you become conscious right away. But I always was aware of my, I don't want to say privilege necessarily, but knowing that I could get away with certain things because of the way I looked. And that is important. I, I ask this question every uh, conversation that we have, regardless of our guests, uh, because I want people to be thinking about where you come from and how do yeah. you identify yourself, because that's going to influence how you connect with others, what, what you share, and, and actually how you change the world. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I appreciate you, you sharing that with us. Listen, our time is just about up, believe it or not, but I do want you uh, to answer one final question. And if you can, share how listeners uh, can catch up with you. Uh, and maybe want to share some contact information. Uh, what mark? We talk about the importance of activism today, and you shared some rich information. We've talked about the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, and also racial identity and more. Uh, but what mark do you want to leave on the world uh, as it relates to DEI? And uh, how do you want to do that through your activism and efforts? Uh, throughout my life, I, I've looked at the reassertion and reaffirmation of cultural pride as an empowering tool because mm. so much so often our cultures and our history has been denigrated so i'm hoping that i leave that uh that impact that i've helped to in educate others and and get them on a number of my former students are actually doing this research as we wow. speak and then leadership development um hmm. uh, i've run youth centers in the past I've run agencies in the past and so i'm hoping if there's a legacy or contribution, is that. Um. And I believe you're doing that. Um, my uh, my saying all often is that we have to leave a mark and not a stain. And I want yeah. the audience to, to hear me say loudly that, Ozzy Rivera, you are definitely leaving a mark and not a stain. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest here on Arts, Artists, and Advocates. You have been amazing. Thank you. And we can't wait to learn more about you. You can follow up on the website to learn more at lccconnect.com. Uh, but also, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in and leaning in to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based pro pro program designed just for you. Uh, we are focusing on a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity, equity, and inclusion through the lens of arts and activism. We're also highlighting the work of people like Ozzy, as you just heard, in our community who's making a difference. I'm your host, Dr. Tanya Bailey, reminding you that you matter. We'll see you next time.